Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brew Church Podcast. My name is Fabian. I am your host, and I'm glad that you are listening. If you would, please hit the plus button on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on Spotify as a way to help more people find this audio content. This audio is recordings from our Sunday gatherings. And if you would like to support what happens here on this podcast or in the Brew Church community in general, there's a giving button in the description of this. Uh, We hope that this is helpful for you and that you gain some good tools to lead to a life of abundance. Enjoy. Hello. Okay. Hi. Um, my name is Josh. For those of you who don't know, I think I know most everyone here. For those who don't know, my name is Josh. Um, and today we are starting our series about purity culture. Um, and I kind of want to introduce this idea of purity culture, this concept of purity culture. Um, and I want to describe it using the language, um, and this is, this is something I've found helpful, as a, a hyper object. Okay, see a lot, a lot of people's eyes are already glazing over. It's a great sign. Good job. Okay, um, so there's this philosopher, his name, with, uh, his name was Timothy Morton, and he, he wrote a book called, um, and I wrote it down, Hyper Objects, Philosophy and Ecology After the End of the World. And I know that sounds really weird and crazy, but it's basically his idea is this. It's like there are some ideas and some concepts that are so big we have a hard time like wrapping our minds around them, right? They're, they're, they exist almost like in an, an extra dimension. Um, his main argument was that climate change is one of these objects, right? Climate change is a hyper object. We don't see climate change. We don't see um, like the interconnected webs of um, relationships between like the, the, the water cycle and like the carbon cycle and how all these things are playing around um, that make our planet's climate what it is. We don't see that. What we see are like an increase in like F5 hurricanes. We see, you know, we see changes in like our local environments. Uh, we see like an increase in sea levels. We see an increase in like how hot it are, how hot it are, um, how hot it is, um, right? So like we don't see climate change. We see the effects of climate change. Climate change is like this big, big thing that's really, really hard for us to wrap our minds around. Um, a, another way of describing it um, is, is imagine that we live in like a two-dimensional, two-dimensional world, okay? And I'm stealing this from Rob Bell, who also stole this from someone else who I can't remember. Um, so, okay, source is cited. So imagine we live in a two-dimensional world, right? And, um, and imagine that, that that we're, we're hanging out in this two-dimensional world. Everything is like up, down, left, and right. And let's say that I were to take off my ring here and I were to put the, the, my, my ring into this two-dimensional world, right? So imagine we're hanging out in this two-dimensional world and what do we see? Well, first we see a line and then we see the two lines. They get bigger, they spread apart. And as the ring passes through, they come back together and they touch and they disappear. And so we're like in this two-dimensional world. We're like, what was that? It's crazy, right? Um, and we, we had to have no, no concept for what this is, right? So like one person would be like, well, there was a line, and there were two lines, and they got further apart, and they came together, and then it was gone. And then the other person, the other flatland person could be like, no, I, th- I think it was a ring. And they're like, what is that? Like we have no frame of reference for what a ring is. And you're like, no, I, th- I think it was a ring. 
It was something that like we don't really have words for because it kind of exists outside of a dimension that we can really think about. That's another way to kind of think about these big topics like climate change, these big ideas like purity culture, right? We don't ever experience one part of it, but we get, like if I were to like just shove my whole hand into flat world here, right? Some person can be like, I think that's the hand of Josh coming in to guide our lives. And you're like, no, I think it's just five circles. And I'm like, I think they're connected, right? Like, so this intuition that we have that we're like, when we experience like different things, you're like, I think this thing is somehow connected to that thing. Like trust those intuitions, okay? Um, we get this sense that like our shame is somehow also tied up in like our, this modesty is somehow tied up in um, cultures of describing like, uh, hard, like, gender roles, things like that. If you get this, this sense of feeling, odds are you're, you might be onto something, right? Trust those intuitions. Um, so I say all that to th say this. Uh, purity culture is like that. So each, for the next few weeks, we're all going to kind of um, talk about one of the particular aspects of how purity culture has at least shown up in our worlds. Um, and maybe this is something that you'll resonate with. Maybe something that you won't resonate with one week. You'll resonate another week. Um, because I guarantee you, whether you kind of grew up in, like, the church with, like, this language of purity culture, um, like, it's, it's shown up in your world in some way. So um, take that for what it is. All right. So um, I want to start off by asking the question, um, what does shame feel like? So for me... Like, maybe some people, shame feels like you feel it in your stomach, right? You feel like this. Or maybe you feel like your heart rate racing. I know for me, I go possum mode, where, like, the first thing is, like, I bare my teeth and uh, look shocked, and then I die, um, and I wait for the threat to leave. Um, that, that's, my, that's, that's how shame shows up in my world. So... Shame, there's a reason shame feels awful. There's a reason uh, that, that this is, like, a kind of like seems like it's hardwired into us like for our biology um like humans as humans evolved um like we're we if you notice we're not particularly fast we're not particularly strong we don't have sharp teeth um we don't have fangs or anything like that we don't have claws um what what got humans along and the reason why we came we've come as far as we have is because of our ability to communicate as a group right to be to be a collective to cooperate and to build build community um and so what would happen is if if you you feel right like you are being cast out of your community um you know two hundred thousand years ago that would have been a death sentence right like there's nothing out there it's just you you are alone you are hosed right we've all seen like those um that's like it's a whole genre of tv show on tlc right people just out in the woods trying to live right like it's awful um so that's that's why my that's why shame feels so like icky inside of us is because if your body is like, oh, I'm feeling shame, I'm going to die, it's because 200,000 years ago, being shamed usually meant you were going to die, right? That's, that's accurate. So, yeah, shame is normal. And in a sense, like, that's not, right? Like, in the one, in the one hand, like, shame, like, like, we could shame people who, who need to be shamed, right? So if you're living, like, with a few hundred other people and someone's, like, hoarding all the food, you can shame that person into sharing, Right. Um, however, now we've kind of seems like we've created a systems where like, oh, there are people who are hoarding all the food who we can't shame. Um, and that's that's a real bummer, you know, uh, <laughs> it's a real bummer. We should we should shame those people more. Um, so. So, yeah, that's why that, that, that's why shame feels as 
as awful as it does, right? Like it's it's this biological thing inside of us that says um, I I've acted outside of the bounds somehow. Um, I'm at danger of being cast out from my community. I need to like like I need to I need to do something, right? Like it's it feels awful. Um, yeah. Um, so next question, and this is this is going to be just a raise our, our fingers to show us where we are. Um, how do y'all feel about dancing? So one being like no effing way. <laughs> And five being yes, get me on that floor. Okay, we got a nice, we got a nice, nice, nice spread. All right, um, good spread. Okay, so I used to not dance. That was me. I, 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 I imagine that like humans have always kind of danced. Like there's some anthropologists who would say that like we've been like engaging with music and rhythm like since before we could probably talk. Um, this. Right, like, like, that's the first thing babies do. They kind of like get to their feet, and it's this, right? They kind of like the butt, the butt goes. <laughs> and then maybe a step, right? Um, that's like the first things we do, right? Like, um, like and so, so like, I imagine I did those things, right? I imagine I used to dance. I did the, I did the butt thing. Um, and I know I have video of like a home video footage of me dancing to Crocodile Rock by Elton John when I would have been in like the first grade. My parents have good music tastes um, sometimes. Um, and, but somewhere along the way, I stopped dancing. I don't know why. Like, I, like I'm trying to like write like this talk I was going to give. Like I didn't know um, where, I was like, like where, when did I stop? I don't know where that message came along and somewhere I picked it up is your body looks stupid when it moves. I know it's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> like, like, um, like I will watch it to this day. And this is something I like I'm aware of and I, I noticed, but like to this day, I will watch video footage of myself. Like I, like I played rugby in college. I watched like game footage and I'm like, like, you know, you can bend your knees when you run, right? Like, <laughs> like what are you doing? You asshole. Like, like I, like, I actively look at my body and moving in space, and I'm like, what, what the hell are you doing, man? Um, so somewhere along the way, I picked up this message of I can't dance. I can't, I can't, I don't, I don't look good when I move. Um, and I don't know where that came from, right? I think about this story in, in the Bible, and there's like, the, one of the first, like, so like we have Adam and Eve, they eat from the tree, knowledge of good and bad, and God comes down, and, after, and God finds them, and God asks them, who told you you were naked? Because that's why they were hiding, right? They're hiding. It's like, why are you hiding? And it's like, who told you you were naked? And that's, that to me is the question I have for myself sometimes when it comes down to my own shame. Is like, who told me I was bad at this stuff? Who told me I was naked? Um, I can't think of a time. I imagine you all can, maybe you can. Maybe you have a particular instance of where something like that happened. I've come around to dancing. I've come around as a human being to dancing. Uh, this changed for me when I was, so um, I used to work for a company and uh, we did, we put on fun runs. Like, uh, I'm not gonna name them, but you can probably figure out who they are. We put on fun runs for uh, middle, uh, elementary schools. And it was a really great job. I really enjoyed it. They sold me on it because they're like, you're going to be like, you're going to be like this high energy person. You're going to go into schools. You're going to make an impact on kids. It's awesome. And they don't tell you part the part where it's like, oh, we're going to overwork you and like underpay you. And we're coasting on the fact like you're doing this for the kids, right? And I'm like, well, I can't pay my rent with that. Um, you can look them up. But um, <laughs> they're, they're, a, they're like 
they send us all, all of all of the folks in kind of like my position to like this this retreat in Arizona. And Arizona, it was in July before the school year started up. It was hot. It was like today, but worse. Um, it, w- it was miserable. And so we go there. And so it was a whole bunch of young folks. Like I was in the older ones. I was in like early 30s. Um, just just 20s and 30s year olds like, like who were just like um, there. And like there's a whole bunch of positive energy in the room. And it was like a really great time. Like one on one hand, like, yeah, we learned how to like help this company that like thrives off of like it's – it's employees and you know like taking money from schools um like but like at the same time it was like like the people i met i made friends right life is complicated right um so the evenings right so all these bunch of 20 year old people like what are we going to do um we're going to go out and like i don't know if it was the the happy hour where i just i just did like, hey, give me a couple of whiskeys for the next 60 minutes because it's free. Um, or if it was when uh, uh, when I want to dance with somebody comes on, like, <laughs> Lord knows you don't disappoint the queen. Like, um, I don't know, somewhere along the way, like, I found myself dancing. Also, uh, another song that came out was a banger. I Like It by um, Cardi B. Ooh, oh, man, that, that unlocked my hips. Um, <laughs> like... So I started, da- I danced. Like, I, I danced. I got out there. I, I, I got after it. And, like, yes, it looked like, an, like I was an airbender summoning my ancestors. But it didn't matter. Like, I felt good in my body. I moved. I didn't feel shame. Because here's the thing about shame. Like, in an environment where you are accepted, like, shame doesn't stand a chance. Right? Where you, where you feel, like, fully accepted. And I felt that way. Like, everyone there was, like, probably some of the most welcoming and welcoming environments I've ever been in, um, I didn't feel shame about my body. Like, I looked cool, maybe. (laughs) Um, So, that's my next question. That's our next, yeah, we're fine. Okay, that's our next question. What does acceptance feel like? What does it feel like when you're like, I I feel accepted? Where Where do you feel that in your body? What does that feel like inside of you? Because for me, it felt like, like giving a hug. Like I remember, like, I was at this thing, and like this one dude, he's, he's a cool guy, became friends. Um, like I gave him a hug, and he was like, "No, no, you gotta sink into it." And I was like, "Oh," and then I did. <laughs> and let me tell you, it's probably like a top ten hug, right? It's a top tier hug, y'all. Um, that to me is what I think about when it's like, "Oh, you're accepted here," right? Sinking into that hug. Um, what does it feel like for you? Um, has anyone seen um, Big Mouth, the TV show on Netflix? Yes. So, like, uh, for those of you who don't know, Big Mouth, imagine, imagine Bluey, like a show with the emotional intelligence of Bluey, um, but the, the foul-mouthedness of, like, a 13-year-old boy in a locker room um, and about that level of, like, content. Um, it's great. Like it's one of it's it's one of my favorite shows ever. And and what I what I think it does very well is it describes what it's actually like to be a teenager. You have like all these emotions that we feel like become personalized. Right? You have the anxiety mosquito who's like needling in your ear, and it's like, what if no one likes you? You know, like like what, if, what about the thing you said? You know, like um, did you leave the oven on? Um, you, you have like the depression cat, uh, the depression kitty. Um, and, and one of my favorites was like the shame wizard, the shame wizard. 
And the Shane Wizard like shows up at the school, and it shows about like these like middle schoolers, and it shows up at the school, and like all of a sudden, all these kids start feeling shame. And it's like the, this uh, leading up, like it's like one of the seasons, like big overarching story arc. And the Shame Wizard doesn't go away until like there's this huge confrontation at the end, and everyone has to start being vulnerable, and everyone has to start being like out with who they are, and everyone's like, you know, like like to hell with it, like yes, this is me. Right, like I'm just gonna be out with it, um, and everyone like becomes accepting of it, and like in in that space of acceptance, like the shame wizard, you know, like kind of like dissipates and evaporates, he, he, um, goes away or whatever. Um, but I I wonder about this, like, because in in traditionally religious spaces, we've not been known for our ability to not shame people, not one of our strong suits. Um, I think we need to work on that. So, this is my next question to y'all. What what can we do? Like practical things can we do? Like if a, in spaces like Fruit Church or other spaces you find, what can we do to create spaces where we can find that acceptance? What can we do to create spaces where like shame doesn't stand a chance, where shame doesn't, like it doesn't fit because there is that radical acceptance. Um, Thank you for listening to this episode. Peace and blessings, everyone. <laughs>